And floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Fit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. Let us help solve your do it yourself dilemma. The number is 1 888 Money Pit. 888 666 3974. Before you pick up the tools, you got to pick up the phone and call us because we will help. 888-666-3974. Got a great hour planned. First up, everybody dreams of striking oil, right? Well, for one New York couple, this dream became a total nightmare when their basement was mistakenly pumped full of oil. And it's a surprisingly easy error for a fuel delivery company to make. We're going to tell you how it happened and what you need to know to make sure it can never, ever happen to you. And also ahead, in honor of Poison Prevention Month, we're going to have tips on how to get rid of household toxins like old paint or lawn chemicals. Plus, if your morning shower is lacking power, we're going to help you get it back to full pressure once again. And we've got a great prize to give away because this hour we are giving away some luxury floor covering from Laloy Rugs. It is a prize worth $500. You're going to get to choose any rug in the Encore collection that they have. It's going to go out to one lucky caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Todd in Louisiana wants to work on a wood flooring project. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, I was uh, I was listening to your station the other day, and somebody had called in and stated that they had put in some wood flooring, and uh, they had put it in at the time, well, let's put it this way. They had a contractor put it in, and it was done during a time of the year where the gentleman had left uh, a little gap for swelling, and then when the other season came on by, instead of swelling, it contracted so the gaps that he left were even larger. So I'm trying to see at what point in time of the year um, is the wood going to be um, already contracted so I know how to uh, to adjust for this. Well, in Louisiana, you don't have the temperature swing that we might have to deal with, for example, in the north, which is a, a bigger issue. Um, okay. So you're, I don't think it's going to make a difference in your particular part of the country. But generally speaking, uh, wood's going to shrink in the winter and, and swell in the summer. High humidity okay. is going to cause the, everything in your house to swell. And that's where doors start to stick and, 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 and that sort of thing. But the rule okay. of thumb here is that you're going to put down, put in hardwood floors. You want to put that material in the house and let it acclimate there for uh, for a few days You know, before you okay. actually start the installation. You don't want to take it from one climate, bring it into the indoor climate, and start banging it in right away. You do want to okay. let it acclimate a little bit for a little bit of time so i don't think it's as much of a concern for you in louisiana for those reasons okay hey i appreciate it you're welcome todd good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit oh now we've got Catherine from colorado on the line not something we like to deal with pest control what is going on with the mice and the rats uh well the downstairs in the house it's not finished uh so somehow they're getting in downstairs and i see little drop-ins um different places so what i've been using so far is the those green pellets of poison, but I've heard from a friend that there's new products out there, the ultrasonic plugins. I wanted to get information about that if you would know. Yeah, I would skip that. I think that's kind of junk science. So uh, I would skip any of those ultrasonic plugin things. What you want to do is a couple of things. First of all, you want to eliminate nesting areas. So around the area of your house, if you have 
firewood, trash cans, debris of any sort that's anywhere near the foundation, those are nesting areas for rodents. You eliminate those. Secondly, you plug up any openings in the outside walls of that house. Now, mice need something the size of about a quarter or even less to get in. So any openings should be should be plugged. Uh, inside the house, you want to make sure that there's no food for them. So a lot of times people will make mistakes by providing food when they don't realize they're doing it. For example, I had a friend who used to keep uh, her pet food in the garage, and it was a big you know, sack, 50-pound, whatever it was, bag of pet food. Never really even noticed that the mice had dug themselves a nice little front door for this that wasn't obvious, and they were just getting a big meal every single day from the pet food. So look for things like that where, where food is being left out for them. Moisture is also very attractive to rodents, so water that collects at the foundation perimeter can bring them in. And inside the house, I think you're doing the right thing using uh, the baits and the poisons because that's they're very effective with most of the, the baits today. You know, for example, the decon, uh, one uh, hit of that, so to speak, it takes them out. I mean, it's just one and done. So I think all those things together is what's going to control and reduce the rodent population around this house. All right. Now, this problem is something we probably have all dealt with. Your water is taking way too long to heat up. Monty in Alabama, tell us about it. We've got a uh, our water heater. We moved into a house a few months ago, and it's taken about uh, 90 to uh, 120 seconds for the in the kitchen for the hot water to heat up, yep. and, which is just a tremendous waste of water. Yep. And uh, the, it's an electric water heater, and it's located on the other side of the house upstairs, so it's having to travel so far, I'm sure. Is there any reasonable solution to that? Yeah, well, you, you hit the nail on the head. The reason it takes that long for the water to get hot is because that's how long it takes for the water to travel that long run down the pipe and to get over to the kitchen from the other side of the house. What I might suggest that you consider is adding a second water heater. Now, you could pick up a tankless water heater, and they do actually have some reasonably energy-efficient electric tankless water heaters right now. I never used to say that, but I recently saw some some new ones. It's attack, the technology is getting a little bit better. They actually have heat pump water heaters that are pretty efficient. But if you were to split the run to get the water heater a little closer to the kitchen, uh, that would make a difference. Now, is the kitchen the only place you're having this? Is it is the hot water reasonably quick in terms of where the bathrooms are located? Yes. Yeah, since the bathrooms are more important than the kitchen in terms of the speed with which the hot water arrives, especially if right. it's you standing on a cold floor waiting you know, for the water to get warm before you hop in the shower, I would probably tolerate it if it was me. I would tolerate it and and deal with it. Now, the other thing that you could do is you could put a a, uh, a, a point-of-use water heater uh, right under the kitchen cabinet to supply additional hot water. But again, it's kind of an expensive project, and, and I don't know if, if you would ever make that up in terms of the you know savings on water cost and that sort of thing. Yeah, if it's not something that we can make up, it's not really worth doing. Cause... I don't think it's worth doing then, Monty, because it's, uh, you know, it's not really inconvenient uh, because it's not near the bathrooms. It's just you have to be patient a little bit, waiting for that warm water to arrive. And I imagine after it arrives, it, you know, it stays warm in the pipes a little bit longer. One thing you could think about doing is uh, insulating that hot water pipe so that once the warm water gets in it, it stays warm a bit longer. And that would... Uh, yeah, that's a good thought. That would be inexpensive. Inexpensive, right, and make it a little bit more convenient, okay? Okay, Tom, thank you so much. Enjoy your show. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Standing by for your calls at one eight 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 
money pit. Up next, imagine waking up to find 300 gallons of heating oil mistakenly pumped into your basement. It actually happened to one Brooklyn couple. We're going to teach you what happened and how to make sure it could never happen to you after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, one caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a luxury rug from Laloy Rugs. It's winner's choice. Any covering from the Encore collection you can get. And these are beautiful lugs. They're power-loomed shag-style rugs from Turkey. This is a prize worth $500. Going to go to one caller drawn at random from those that reach us on today's show at one eight 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 money pit. If you just can't wait, you can check them out online at laloyrugs.com and Laloy is spelled L O L O I. All right, now we've got David from North Carolina on the line who's dealing with a mold issue. Welcome, David. I live in a it's a cinder block house and uh in the cabinets it's it's bad in the cabinets and in the closets especially you can like feel the moisture on the back walls of the cabinets. Yep. And in the closets. And lately, it's, since it started getting colder, it's on the bedroom walls as well. So what are you actually seeing? Uh, it's it's green, green mold and moisture, like like dew on the, on the walls. Have you ever had this problem before in any of the past winters? Uh, last winter, it, it was a little bit bad, and my wife cleaned it with, uh, you know, bleach and water and stuff, and it pretty much went away. But then in the cabinets, it started coming back almost immediately after she cleaned it. And how is your house heated? Uh, it's gas. So it's forced air? Yeah. Do you have a dehumidifier or a humidifier running? No, not at all. Okay, well, here's the thing. You may have a situation here where the mold spores are starting to take hold and they're multiplying, and that's why it's happening more frequently. It also could be uh, make it made worse by the weather conditions and I'm, by that, I mean the weather conditions inside your house in terms of the uh, humidity and that sort of thing. So what I'd like to suggest you do is a, is a number of things. First of all, when you clean mold, and you should only be doing this if it's a small amount, which it sounds like it is, although it's spread in different areas. When you clean mold, you want to make sure that you're killing the mold spores first. And you do that, the easiest way is to simply spray that with a bleach solution that's about 10% bleach and, and 90% water. And you let it sit on the areas for a good 15 minutes. So you don't want to spray and wipe. You want to spray, wait, and then wipe. And that makes a difference because this way the bleach actually kills the mold spores. You're not just wiping them away and and, and moving them around, sending them back to the air where they're going to settle immediately. If you can spray it with the bleach solution and let it sit there and then rinse it off and clean it as a second step, that's important. Um, In terms of the closets, if you can get more air into those closets, and typically what we do in some homes is add additional vents to the closets. I don't know. It depends on the side, the way your closet is configured, but sometimes we put louvered doors on them or add uh, vents to the sidewalls, that sort of thing. 
But if yeah. you could um, improve the ventilation in the closet so more of the warm air gets in there, and after you clean that uh, that the, the the closets and the cabinets, try to leave them open a little bit longer than you normally would, so that the warm air from the house gets in there and doesn't let the mold kind of reignite that quickly, because that warmth. Uh, from the forced air heating system is going to create a condition where mold really can't grow because it's going to be drying out that air. The moisture in the air is working against you here. And I know that we like to have a little bit of moisture in the house during the winter because the heat system can be very dry, but an excessive amount can cause a mold problem to develop. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Well, imagine getting 300 gallons of free heating oil. Sounds great. What a deal. Unless, A, your house isn't heated by oil, and B, it was mistakenly pumped into your basement. It actually happened to one Brooklyn couple. And as awful as it sounds, it's not that uncommon. A heating oil company delivered the oil to the wrong address and mistakenly pumped it into an old oil pipe that was sticking through the exterior wall and ended up, you guessed it, in the couple's basement. Now, what happened was this couple had long ago switched over to gas heat and they disabled the oil system. But although they removed the oil tank that used to be in the basement, they left the pipe going through the wall. And this is a problem. Let this tale be your warning. If you've got an old oil pipe that used to lead to an old oil tank and the tank is gone, you got to get rid of the pipe too. I have to tell you, in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector, I saw this time and time again, and I have heard of this exact scenario happening time and time again. So if you used to be on oil in any point in the history of your home and that oil pipe is still sticking through your basement wall, Get rid of it. Pull it out. Patch the wall. If you don't know how, call us. Post the question on our website at moneypit.com. We will help you. And this way, a misdirected oil delivery person can never show up and pump your basement full of oil. Betty in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We live in a ranch-style home, and uh, we have several bedrooms and bathrooms where the um the door frames, up above the door frames on just one side, are cracking. And we have repeatedly had uh, contract workers out here to repair them, and it is not held. feel like it's Groundhog Day. You're fixing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. Um, around the door frame and around windows, those are the weakest portions of the wall. So if you have some movement from a normal expansion and contraction, that's where it's going to show. Typically what happens is you'll have a painter or handyman come out and they'll spackle the crack and paint it, and it seems to go away for a while. But, of course, as soon as the wall moves again, it shows up. What you really have to do here is sand down the area around the crack, and then you have to cover it with a perforated spackle tape, and that usually looks like a like netting and it's a little sticky. You put it across the, the crack and then you spackle over the tape. And that does a permanent repair because it actually sort of melds one side of the wall with the other. And it should not separate again the next time the wall moves. Okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Carol on the line from Oregon. How can we help you today? Well, I've got a problem I should know better, but I have rented to people with who brought in a puppy. 
Okay. And well, now I've got to deal with lots of uh, urine, fecal. It's damage uh, that's probably been on there too long, too deep, gone through the carpet, to the pad, to the subfloor. So uh, my question is, can the stain ever be removed? I'm thinking I should just take everything up. Um, my question would be what to put down new, replace the subfloor, solution, like people said something about kills and something like Z-Mix or something like well, that. Well, I mean, it really depends. If if you even want to attempt salvaging the rug that's there, I mean, generally with a rental situation, you're probably better off with a tile or a laminate floor just because of cleanability and mm-hmm. then let the folks bring in their own area rugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to attempt to sort of get the stain away, get the odor away, there's a product that I used when I was training our dog who was untrainable for the first year. And it's on a website called Just Right, and it's R-I-T-E dot com. And it's called 123 Odor Free. And it's like a series of different products. One's a stain remover, one's an odor remover, and it sort of neutralizes through enzymes. And there's like an injector that you use to get through the carpet and into the padding and into the subfloor. And I kid you not, it works because there was a spot at the top of the steps that Daisy just loved and no problems to this day. So... Uh, you might want to try that. However, if there is a lot of stuff to deal with, your best bet is probably to just pull everything off. And you're right about wanting to seal that subfloor because if you don't put, you know, a primer, a good one on top of it, whatever you put on top, get a humid day and you're going to notice it. Yeah. So right. that's why, Carol, what you want to do is use an oil based primer like a Kills uh, or a Bin. There are a number of different. You know primers out there, but I would use the oil-based ones for a problem like this because they're going to do a better job of sealing in odor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I do decide to put down a rug, because this is a house I would like to sell future forward, it's a nice house, uh, is there a type of rug that uh, can better be cleaned? Okay, yeah. It, it is from Mohawk, and it's a carpet that they call Smart Strand, and it's got built-in stain and soil resistant that's never, never, never going to wear off or wash off or clean off, and it feels soft. And it's environmentally friendly because it's made in part with, you know, like a recycled plastic. And uh, I think it was last year at the Builder Show, Tom and I were at the event, and they were just launching this Smart Strand product, and they had taken you know, carpeting and carpeted the pen of an elephant at the zoo and left it in there for a year and then took it off, cleaned it and like, you know, brought a patch in and like had half under the cover of glass and half out. And there was like a little door that you could open up to the dirty side. And like you open that up. And of course, I didn't smell because I always do strange things like that. And uh, it like reeked horribly. And the side that was cleaned was beautiful, clean, soft, smelled fantastic. So I'm not really sure about the price point, but it is an amazing product and an available, you know, in a lot of different looks, different piles. So I, I would start with Mohawk there, Smart Strand. Okay. Thank you so much. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight eight eight. Money Pit. Up next, you might want to think twice before you dump old cleaning solutions down your drain. In honor of Poison Prevention Month, Kevin O'Connor, our pal, the host of TV's This Old House, will be here with tips on safe household waste disposal. That's all coming up next. On the Money Pit Radio Show. 
Good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, did you make any energy saving improvements in 2012? If so, you may very well be entitled to tax credits or write offs. And you can learn more about which improvements are eligible by going to moneypit.com and searching for our articles on tax credits. Catherine in Wisconsin is on the line with a soundproofing issue. Tell us what's going on. I live in a condo with a basement, and there's an I-beam that runs through the basement. And when I'm in the basement, I can hear my neighbors from two uh, houses down talking in their living room because their voices travel down the I-beam. Wow. So I was Crazy. <laughs> so I was interested in covering the I-beam somehow uh, to reduce the noise, but I wasn't sure what the best way to do that would be. Well, there's a couple things you can do. First of all, can you can you frame in the the I beam so that it's like has something that we can attach a drywall to? Yeah, yeah, I could. I just wasn't sure what to what to do that with, or okay. if that would, so would help. So w- once you yeah, once you frame it in, there's a product called Quiet Rock, and it's okay. a soundproofing drywall. It's sold at Lowe's. It's pretty expensive. I mean, regular drywall's five bucks a sheet. Quiet Rock's about forty bucks a sheet. So it's pretty expensive, yeah, but, but you don't need a lot. If she can hear them, they can hear her. Yeah, but you don't need a lot. You know, you don't need a lot. So, so if you can frame in that beam, and you're sure that's where it's coming from, uh, you may want to think about uh, using Quiet Rocks to actually qu- uh, cover the I beam, and, and that should do the trick. Oh, really? So I wouldn't need to put uh, additional insulation between... No, insulation the... is insulation doesn't really work as a soundproofing okay. material. It's kind okay. of a misnomer to think that insulation works on a wall. It's cheap, but it really doesn't do much. The quiet rock absorbs the vibration of the sound, and I think that's what you need to do. Okay, great. And the quiet rock is uh, is just spelled like it sounds? Yep, Q-U-I-E-T rock. If you go to uh, Lowe's.com, you can find it right there. And, and um, I, w- I was able to find it. I needed it for a project. I was able to find it right in my local Lowe's. Thank you. Bye. Well, you might be tempted to toss old paint, chemicals, or even your old VCR or computer tower in the trash, but HHPs, or hazardous household products, they do need to be disposed of properly. That's right. Tossing products that contain components that are flammable, explosive, corrosive, or toxic impacts both our health and pollutes the land, water, and air. But it's not hard to clean up your act when it comes to cleanups like these. Here to tell us how to get rid of HHPs safely is Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House. Hey, Kevin. Hi, guys. Always great to be here. So what's the first rule of thumb when it comes to getting rid of your hazardous household products? Well, actually, I think it's just buy what you need. Yeah, don't have them, right? Right. Well, I mean, or don't have too many. You know, a case of oven cleaner might be a great deal from the big box store, but are you really going to use it all before it expires? You know, chemical cleaners, also, they have a limited shelf life. So you might want to take that in consideration because you could be wasting your money as well as storing chemicals that you don't really need. And, you know, if you happen to fall victim to one of these amazing deals and you got a little carried away and now you got a pallet of paint or something like that, well, you can give away what you don't use, right? So think about your church or a charity that might take the leftovers. We on the show have actually taken it back to places that resell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Craigslist, there, there's a great spot, right? Go to Craigslist and it's a great way to find local folks who are interested in your 
stuff, whether it's the paint or fertilizers or whatever, and many times you'll even pick it up and take it off your hands. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think Habitat for Humanity actually has Habitat stores mm-hmm. where people will take extra lumber and things like that, and they'll sell it if they can't use it in their project, and that helps fund their work. So there's lots of great ways to recycle what you don't need and put it to good use. And believe it or not, we've been in these operations where they're taking your old paint cans, whether they're full or even half full, and they are recanning them, making new colors, and they're testing them and cleaning them, making sure that they're good to go. So it's not a bad alternative. Really, regardless of freeze and thaw cycles, when you've always thought, oh, if that paint's been frozen, it's kind of done. They're inspecting the paint to make sure it's of quality. But a lot of this stuff is. You know, a lot of people think they're going to use it again and actually take care of it and just never get around to it. Mm-hmm. Now, what if you want to avoid using those hazardous products? There's a lot to be said for sort of the natural alternatives, you know, the vinegar, the baking soda. I always consider the fact that before we had all of these chemical cleaners, you know, our grandparents and forefathers that came before us, um, they use products like that to keep their houses clean. Yes, but your grandma cleaned the floor like 50 times a day. <laughs> My grandmother was Irish, so she was used to it. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, I think you're right. Think about what she did with vinegar. It seemed like vinegar was the, you know, or club soda, right? <laughs> Those were your two go-tos for everything. <laughs> we had seven kids in the family, so these carpets got beat up and club soda seemed to take it out. So it is a good point. There are alternatives out there, and it's easy to grab the, the chemical off the shelf, but maybe there's something else you can use. You know, another point is uh, where we live, we have something called the STOP program, S-T-O-P, which stands for Stop Throwing Out Pollutants. And in our town, it's, you know, once a month, they pick a local municipal parking lot. You put everything that you want to get rid of in the trunk of your car. You pull up. They open your trunk for you. They take all of it out. I mean, there's people in hazmat suits sorting and properly disposing, and they take everything from, you know, e-cycling items to paints to tires to that random jar that that dude in the car in front of me always has that I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, but but it's a great point to say that, you know, you should be recycling and properly disposing of everything, and your town, your city, your municipality really does make it easy for you if you pick up the phone and ask the question or look online. I, I think you're exactly right. And just to sort of amplify that, there are places where you can dispose of these things that are convenient and easy, but also legally, because it is illegal to actually dump a lot of these things um, in, say, a commercial dumpster behind your supermarket or not. So you don't want to be the guy that's actually breaking the law because you're too lazy to dispose of it properly. We're talking to Kevin O'Connor. He's the host of TV's This Old House. Kevin, what about the big stuff, the electronics, like the computers, the TVs? Any tips for those? Well, believe it or not, if you gather everything up and you visit your local, say, Best Buy or Office Depot, a lot of those retailers recycle these old electronics for you. And for smaller products like an iPhone, for example, you can check with the manufacturer for recycling programs. And sometimes Apple lets you trade in your old iPhone and they give you a gift card to purchase new stuff. You guys are so Apple biased. The (laughs) AT&T store did the same with my BlackBerry. (laughs) My BlackBerry. See, I still have a BlackBerry and I'm not ashamed to admit it. (laughs) Well, the point is that there are a lot of retailers, a lot of manufacturers that will actually, part of their green program is to help you uh, give your stuff back to them, and they'll they'll make it worth your while to do that. Right. Which was funny because in upgrading my phone, my son like so desperately wanted my old BlackBerry. He kept being like, "When you get a new one, I can have this. I can have this just for fun, you know, as like pretend play." And I was totally for it until the lady was like, "And I can give you a fifty-seven dollar gift card." I was like, "Sorry, Henry." I was like, that's, that's was $57. Here's a piece of cardboard. Play with this. <laughs> I think I gave him a picture of an iPhone. <laughs> there you like, go. There you go. 
There you go. All right. Good advice. Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Thanks for stopping by the Money Pit and helping us clean up our act. My pleasure, guys. All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you by State Farm Insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Up next, a cold winter morning sure feels a lot colder without a blast of hot water from your shower. If your shower head is just trickling, it might not be a water pressure issue. We'll tell you how to fix it after this. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, we're giving away a great prize this hour to one lucky caller chosen at random. It's a rug from Laloy. The winner gets to choose any 5 by 8 rug from the Encore Collection. The design's that work with any style, you can check them out at laloyrugs.com. And that's Laloy, which is spelled L-O-L-O-I, rugs.com. It's a prize worth $500 going to one caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Dorothy from Alaska on the line who's got a sticky drawer. Tell us what's going on. Well, I have a kitchen drawer, the top drawer, which holds the silverware. The most used drawer in the whole house, I think, going in and out. For okay. years, it, it would give me trouble just by not catching right, and I'd have to push down on it a little bit to put it in, to close it. Well, it's closed, and it won't open, and I can't get it open. I don't know what <laughs> okay. my alternatives are. Nobody's strong enough to pull it open. Even if they did, I think they'd break it. Okay, so um, how old are these cabinets? Oh, they're old. They're... 35 years old. Okay. Do you have any other drawers in the kitchen that are the same size as the kitchen drawer? Oh, I think so. What you might want to think about doing is if you have other drawers in the kitchen that are the same size as the kitchen drawer, you might want to think about replacing the kitchen drawer with one of those less used drawers because it sounds to me like some of the hardware is worn out. Now, to get it unstuck... The easy way to do that is to go at the drawer from underneath the cabinet below it. I presume it's on our standard cabinet with doors that are open. And what you would do is go underneath and lift, put your arm in there and push up on the drawer and unstick it and get it moving out. So somebody should be able to help you with that. Just get that drawer moving again. But you might want to think about replacing it with another uh, drawer of the same size somewhere in the kitchen and just rotate them that way. If it's the silverware drawer, obviously that's probably the most used drawer in the whole house. Yes, it is. And by replacing it with one that's less used, you'll be able to have some fresh hardware there for a while. Does that make sense? It makes sense. All right, Dorothy, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if the pressure from your morning shower seems to be waning a bit, don't call the plumber just yet. It's probably simply caused by hard water buildup. Here's what you need to know. Mineral salts get stuck in those small openings of the showerhead and the pressure suffers. But the fix, it's surprisingly easy. What you need to do is to simply disassemble the showerhead, soak it in white vinegar, and then put it back together. 
Now, if you'd rather not take it apart, maybe you don't want to remove it from the shower supply pipe itself. Well, all you need to do is soak it in place. Just fill a plastic bag with vinegar and wrap it around the shower head with a rubber band so that you're immersing the shower head into the bag of vinegar. Let it sit there for a good half hour to an hour and then take it down, rinse out that shower head, and you should be good to go with a brand new flow. Jeff in Delaware is dealing with a mysterious sulfur odor from a well. Tell us what's going on. Well, we uh, have a well, you know, and um, I have a water softener on it, uh, a filter and cartridge filter, and we still have a lot of iron in our water, and it has a real strong sulfur smell, and I don't know anything else to do. And it's sometimes if, if it sits for, if we go out of town and come back a day or two later, the smell is just, horrendous and i was just wondering if you guys could give me any tips you know jet that sulfur smell may not be coming from the well it could be coming from the water heater have you considered that uh, no sir because if the anode in the water heater is wearing away that can result in a very strong sulfur odor have you noticed if the sulfur odor is more prevalent in the hot water or the cold hot yes sir it yeah. is i don't think it's the well at all i think it's your water heater oh wow that would that would be great Okay, what's the solution? Now, you can replace the anode in the water heater. Okay. It basically unbolts from the top of the water. If you look at the top of the water heater, you'll see what looks like a big hex nut. Uh-huh. And you can unscrew that, pull out the old rod, and put in a new one. Oh, okay. So I think you might be looking at the wrong place for the source. I think the problem is the water heater and not the well. Well, I will sure try that. That'll be a, a simple fix for me. It certainly will be. It's called a sacrificial anode for that reason. You sacrifice a little bit every time <laughs> for all the time that it's in there. And... Uh, at some point, sometimes uh, it, it, it develops to the point where it has a sulfur smell. If you add a replacement anode to there, that should help alleviate the sulfur smell because essentially what's happening is the anode contributes to the production of hydrogen sulfide gas, and that's what has that, that nasty rotten egg odor to it. Okay? Well, I really do appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate you taking my call. I sure do. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, snow can be pretty and it can also be pesky when it collapses your gutters. We're going to teach you how to avoid that situation next. 888 Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, do you have dreams of design but no budget to make it happen? Simply go to moneypit.com and search 50 designs under $50. That is a free download from our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. We show you ways to transform a room for the same price out as a dinner these days, under 50 bucks. And while you're on moneypit.com, you can head on over to the community section where you can post your own question, just like John did from Pennsylvania, who says, is there a way to keep gutters from collapsing under the weight of heavy snow without going out to clear them several times in the storm? Yes, John, there is a way to do that. The thing is, you need to understand why it's happening. It's happening because ice is forming from ice dams. If you improve your insulation, that won't happen. The water won't leak down, clog up the gutters and pull them away from the house. So insulation is the key. Barry in North Carolina is on the line and looking for some help with a sunroom. Tell us what you're working on. Well, we've got a 12 by 15 uh, sunroom and it's just, it gets cold and it gets hot. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's double pane glass insulated, and it's about two inches thick for the um, the bottom part. But it's like all metal, all aluminum, and it's just cold and hot. And I just want to know, and it is ducted. There's air duct out there. And okay. is there anything I can do to make it warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer? Well, what's going on here, Barry, is you are not putting enough cool air or warm air in that space to deal with the heat loss that's going on. So I presume now this you, what you did is extended your HVAC system into this space. Is that how it's ducted? Yes. You say it's ducted? All right. And this is typical. The, the HVAC system is not sized correctly for that area and for the heat loss in that area and for the heat gain in the summer. This is a perfect scenario, though, for you to add a kind of system called a mini-split ductless. Mini-split ductless is basically three pieces. You have an indoor unit that hangs on the wall. You have an outdoor unit that's a very small, very quiet, very efficient compressor, and you have copper tubing that connects the two. And you would buy one that's just big enough for this sunroom, and what it would do is supplement the central heat or cold air that's coming through the duct systems and balance it out. It can have its own thermostat. It can uh, supply warm air in the winter and cold air in the summer and make that room totally comfortable. There's little else that you can do to insulate the structure. It's just a very cold structure by its very nature, a sunroom. But a mini-split ductless is a good product to install to balance this out. You might want to take a look at this website, constantcomfort.com. That's the website for the Fujitsu company. I personally have mm-hmm. a Fujitsu mini-split ductless in my office because the room, just like you say, it's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter, and it's been the perfect uh, addition to my HVAC plan because it really makes this space comfortable. I've seen those units mounted before, but usually they're mounted up high. Can they be mounted yeah. down low? You know, I believe they can, but the higher the better, especially for the cold air so it falls. But there's only like two and a half feet of solid piece down below. The rest of it's all window. Well, what about the wall against the house where the ducts come through? Um, that's the point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, see, it doesn't have to be on the exterior wall. It okay. can, and in fact, you would want to have it on the interior wall against the house where the ducts come through mounted up high. And you'll be amazed at how comfortable that space will be. Their website, again, is constantcomfort.com. You can check out the Fujitsu's there. And they also have an energy efficiency calculator so you can figure out you know, pretty much how much energy you save. The problem is that we build these spaces and we add them onto our house. We try to extend the heating and cooling systems. And it just puts too much pressure on the system. Yeah, it's just not enough. Okay, very good. That answers my question, In This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. The show continues online. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 